Yo, 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 it might be a little early, but the Big D is back with a UFC 280 preview on the Big D podcast. Before I bring in Billy Ward for his uh, MMA analysis, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. See all my content, see all my videos. Also, check out the Big D podcast for all your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So uh, joining us this morning is uh, my friend from the Fantasy Lab, Action Network, MMA, MLB, NFL. <laughs> I think I I hear you doing World Cup analysis too. So uh, Billy Ward is joining us. So uh, Billy, uh, we're heading to Abu Dhabi this weekend. Uh, did how many hours is that from your house in Michigan? Right? <laughs> oh, I haven't even looked. About the same as for you in Florida, though. I mean, we're, we'd be headed more or less the same place. Yeah. So yeah, somewhere warmer for you, right? I got to say, though, love this 10 a.m. start time. Like, it'll be done before I'm having dinner. I could actually hang out with my wife and daughter instead of going, hey, there's fights on. Leave me alone all day Saturday. Yeah, we're not, we won't be staying up to 1.30 in the morning figuring out who won, who won the big $25 GPP. These, uh, these pay-per-views are rough for those of us in the Eastern time zone just because, like, I miss a lot of main events because I fall asleep in the second round or whatever. Yeah, and everybody in L.A. will be thinking, it's only 8 o'clock in all neck of the woods. So, yeah, because you're five out, you're three all hours right. behind us. So, uh, one of the most, one of 2022's most anticipated main events of the year is the interim lightweight title bout between Charles Oliveira and Islam uh, Makiyov. Makachev. Makachev, thank you. So, obviously, we remember what happened when Oliveira fought in his last time fight. He missed weight by, like, a half pound and was stripped of the belt. He ended up being Justin Gaethje, but uh, he lost his belt. So, uh, it feels weird that this is an interim title fight when we know that Oliveira's been the king of 155, but... Going into this fight, uh, what do you what do you expect to see on Saturday night? Well, I'm going to correct you real quick. Not interim title; it's a vacant title fight. Okay, so they're vacant. not they're not creating a new one here. They're just saying nobody has it coming in, which is fine. I mean, we can all pretend. And I think you and I talked about it before his last fight, or I don't know when we talked about it, but I do remember having this conversation with you that we can say whatever we want. We can say Miss Wait, he's the champion until proven otherwise. You know, like he didn't lose. He didn't. You know fail to retain it on a disqualification or something weird like that. Like he had a dominant performance against what seemed like a very tough guy in Justin Gaethy right after coming off of another dominant finish of Dustin Poirier, which was, you know, coming after a dominant knockout of Michael Chandler pretty clearly in terms of resume, the best 155 pounder in the world. Now he's fighting Islam Akachev, who for a few years now, people have been talking about is the future champion, the next Habib, all this other stuff. But I don't think it's that easy. You know, Charles Oliveira is a very difficult matchup for anyone. And here's the way I see it. it. The way I break it down a lot of times with fights is if you look at like the three realms or aspects of fighting, there's the striking component, there's the wrestling component, and then what happens once you're on the ground, which overlaps with the wrestling, but it is distinct. And in my opinion, you need to be better in two out of those three areas to win a fight. Because if I'm a better striker and I'm better once it hits the ground, it's cool that you can wrestle and take me down, but I'm still going to win once we get there. If I'm a better wrestler and better on the ground, great, I take you down, I win on the ground. If I'm a better wrestler and better striker, cool, you can't take me down, I win up there. 
And the way I'm seeing Oliveira right now, he's it's pretty hard to argue that he's not the better striker against Islam Makachev. You know, like his Muay Thai is awesome. Those shoot box guys all have it. He's knocked out some pretty high level competition where Makachev has decent striking by, you know, Dagestani grappler standards, but he's not at Oliveira's level. Makachev clearly the better wrestler. You know, Oliveira doesn't really get takedowns. He kind of just does his, I'm going to pretend to be hurt and make you follow me thing. But I think once it gets to the ground, I actually think Oliveira is going to be better once it gets there. So Makachev can take him down. Makachev can turn this into a stand-up fight, but I don't know which of those realms he wins in. And obviously, like, you know, the more contentious part of what I said is what happens once it's on the ground. But I I like the finishing ability of Oliveira with the submissions, where he just needs to catch one submission at some point, where on the ground, Makachev has to win all 25 minutes, or at least 15 of the 25 to get a decision, while not getting submitted that whole time. I don't know that he's able to do it. You know, his level of competition hasn't been that high. He's submitted some decent guys, but you can't tell me a ground and pound over Bobby Green or a Kimura over Dan Hooker is anything like tapping out guys like Gacy, Poirier, knocking out Chandler, beating Tony Ferguson. It's, it's just a much tougher level of competition from Oliveira, and we've seen him be dominant for quite some time now. I would agree because Makachev's fought some decent guys, but I don't think he's fought near the competition and he's not falling in this big of a stage when we've seen what Oliver has done the last three or four times, like destroying everybody left and right. And I could be wrong on this, but I'm fairly certain uh, Makachev has never been to the championship rounds because I think his only scheduled five-round fight was against Bobby Green that he won in the first. Uh, Whereas... he, went, he did have a four-round fight a year and a half ago, in, uh, 15 months Okay, ago. that's fair. Yeah, partially into the fourth round. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah, I wasn't 100% sure, but, you know, Oliveira's got a ton of five-round experience. I don't know how many of them have actually gone five rounds, but he's he's been booked for many five-round fights. And he's just dangerous wherever this fight goes, where I don't really see Makachev putting him away. So, you know, I actually wouldn't hate – there's two ways you could bet this from a betting standpoint. You could bet the decision-only line on Charles Oliveira, which is going to be not as good of a line because you get your money back if it goes – or, I'm sorry, the finish-only line on Oliveira, where you get your money back if it goes to a decision. I kind of like that. Or if you want, you know, bigger payouts, a little more risk, just bet Oliveira uh, by a finish. I don't think he's going to win minutes here. I think if he starts winning minutes on the feet, Makachev's going to take him down. But I do think he's got a very good shot at finding a stoppage in one area or the other here. Well, I mean, Oliveira is the UFC king of finishes and submissions with, what, uh, 19 finishes and 16 submission finishes. Yeah, you know, the, the really encouraging thing for me is that we have seen him, you know, starting in 2019, he's picked up three knockouts in his last, let's see, one, two, three... He's picked up three knockouts in his last seven fights, which is a huge change for him because his striking was pretty undeveloped when he made it to the UFC. And I think, you know, his striking and Islam striking were actually fairly similar when they got there, but Oliver's just gotten so much better. And I haven't quite seen that from Makachev. Not that he's a bad striker. I think he's probably better, you know, at a similar point in his career than Habib was, but I don't think he's at Oliver's level. So... Uh... I, I am befuddled with the betting line here because you would think Oliveira with his dominance would be the favorite, but yet Makachev's a minus 190 favorite when Oliveira's plus 160. I'm like, what? What? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like, he's had all the hype behind him. And 
with guys like that, you're kind of going to just see them favored until they lose. Like, I don't think there's any lightweight you could put, or honestly, probably most welterweights, that he wouldn't be a favorite over. And it's the same thing we're going to see with, I've seen with Hamza, we'll probably see with Bo Nickel coming up. And regardless of whether that turns out to be true, just with those guys with that huge amount of hype, you're going to see them favored until they give you a reason otherwise. And to Makachev's credit, he hasn't. He's tried to take some tougher fights, but they've been canceled for one reason or another. All he can do is beat the guys put in front of him. So that shouldn't really be a knock against him. But I will say it's a credit to Oliveira that he's done this against a much different level of competition. And while he gets hurt, or hurt, because I don't know how hurt he actually is in every fight, he's none of these have been close. You know, he's get, picking up stoppages too. So. So what do you think happens in this fight? You think Oliveira reclaims his belt or will Makachev become the new uh, Russian sensation? Hold on. You, you keep doing this. No, the champion has a name and it is Charles Oliveira. As far <laughs> as I'm concerned, there is no reclaiming it place here. Chucky Olives is the champ until somebody beats him. But no, I, I do favor Oliveira here. If I had to, you know, lay out how I think it's going to happen. I think it'll be pretty cautious early on, but Oliver will start to get a little bit of an advantage on the feet. You know, like some jabs, straights, nothing crazy. Then Makachev will take him down. We'll probably do that two, three, four times. And then Oliver will either catch a submission or start landing enough damage before that takedown comes in a later round and put him away. Is this going to be one of those boring UFC pay-per-view title fights where people are going to be entertained or halfway through people are going to be falling asleep. Depending on the relative respect level of the crowd, I would say we might hear some booze in round one or round two, but these guys, these guys bring it. These are not, we're not going to see Carlos bars over Rose or anything like that. It might take a minute. I'm going to be honest. Like I, I'm not sure that they're going to come out guns blazing, but they'll get there. This is Charles Oliveira, man. Dubronx doesn't come to just dance around and jab you. He puts people away. And usually when he puts people away, he makes it he puts them to sleep, right? I mean, yeah, one way or the other. And Islam, again, to his credit, he, he hunts for his finishes on the ground a little bit more than Habib usually did. And he I think he's a little bit more exciting fighter. And, you know, for those, I'm sure everyone listening to this is familiar with the Habib and Islam comparisons. But, you know, people, they train together. They're like best friends. So he's kind of the second coming. But there's some differences style-wise. They're not the same fighter. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because Khabib used to be the king at 155. We saw him fall. But uh, it's tough to be the second coming of a fighter, especially one who was as dominant from your own country or your own neck. Your own gym, your own, like, village. Like, they were, like, they talk about them like they're brothers, you know? Like, it's not just country. It's not like, you know, if I was fighting and I'm the second coming of some guy from Oregon that I've never met, it'd be like, you know, my neighbor, pretty much. Like, like, hey, you're the second coming of that guy down the street. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the main event. But uh, there's not just one title fight. We're back to having multiple title fights because there's a very interesting uh, title fight between uh, Ali Jamal, Ali Jamin Sterling and TJ Dillashaw in the uh, co-main event on Saturday night. So what do you see between uh, Sterling and Dillashaw? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I haven't looked into this too, too much, but I'm, I'm 
feel like it's pretty safe for Aljamain and Sterling. You know, we all kind of wrote him off a little bit because he won the belt on a DQ. Then he came out and, you know, proved why he was the champion. Dillashaw, since his, you know, two-plus-year layoff because of a positive PED test, has had one fight, a split decision win over Corey Sandhagen. In my book, a split decision win over a, you know, solid guy, but not necessarily the toughest of the division. Doesn't put you in line for a title fight. But he's got a big name. You know, there wasn't, there's not a lot of other people at Bantamweight, especially because possibly the best contender is Sterling's like best friend who said he's not going to fight him. So I get why they're doing it, but this seems one, I don't know, like Algerman's younger. He's been more active. There's no questions about whether his performance was artificially enhanced for his big run the way there has been with Dillashaw. So I think Sterling's the better fighter here. I think he'll be able to do his sneaky kind of not a takedown, but I'm going to sneak around and beat you with grappling. He's longer and taller, so I don't know how well that works for Dillashaw on the feet. I don't know. I'm, I'm not as intrigued by what's going to happen in this one. It wouldn't shock me if Dillashaw was able to put him away, especially with the striking. You know, he's got a little bit more power. But outside of that, I don't really see an advantage for Dillashaw. I would agree, and uh, especially with all the uh, controversies with uh, positive – with PD tests, everybody will question whether or not Dillashaw is 100% honest, 100% work for it. I mean, yeah, probably got a power edge, but uh, I think Sterling's the younger fighter. I think he's the more round, well-rounded fighter. I think he, can, I think he'll win if it's on the ground. And we've seen Sterling fight some t- tougher competition. He beat uh, Peter Yana. In uh, April, and no, I th- I think Sterling I think Sterling feels like the king of the one hundred thirty five pound division. I will say, from like a DFS standpoint, I honestly I'm probably going to stack both of the two title fights, but if I had to pick one, it would be Sterling versus uh, Dillashaw, just because the output is going to be higher. Where like I feel pretty confident that the loser of Sterling Dillashaw still puts up a good score. Where I could see, you know, if Oliveira can't work anything on the ground he's not going to score much and if Makachev just gets submitted once it gets to the ground he's not going to score much so if you felt like you only wanted to do one of those for DFS cash the co-main event is the better one to just jam both guys in because they both throw a ton of volume and then Sterling also mixes in a lot of grappling TJ mixes in some takedowns too so if I had to you know bet on which fight would produce the most total points it's definitely the co-main event again with that said I'm probably going to stack both of them just because I think there's a lot of pass to both of them putting up a big score and being on Oliveira would be real scary to fade Makachev and cash. So I don't think I can do that either, but out of the two, this is going to be the more exciting one from a DFS standpoint. I think. Oh, I would agree. And also I, I just did the math math. I'm the one writer who, who does math. If you stack all four championship fighters it's thirty two thousand four hundred. so you're not even using up a third of your salary and that and that's always going to be the case on DraftKings because both two fighters who fighting each other always combine for sixteen thousand two hundred, which is one of the reasons why stacking the five round fights has always been valuable because it it actually like if you look at your average salary remaining before and after it goes up by putting two dudes in the same fight and if they get to fight 60 percent longer than the rest of the card especially if we get most of those minutes, just kind of the math works out where it's going to be a good plan. With that said, you know, the risk when there's two five round fights is that you're guaranteeing two losses in your lineup, which is a little scary, kind of got to be perfect everywhere else. But 
that's the risk we have to take. And that's, that's been the biggest question for me. It was a struggle I had when I was, you know, qualified for that championship. And the first round was basically a cash game, but it was two title fights and I messed up which of those to stack. So it's an interesting challenge, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine having a UFC pay-per-view and then, and then figuring out their multiple title fights. I think in that case, you'd rather only have one title fight because everybody's just going to stack the you-know-what out of that, right? Yeah, I mean, but if you don't necessarily want it to be easy when you're only playing against other tough competition that qualified their way in, too. So I'm of two minds on that. I didn't get it right. Had I, I had the right general strategy, stacking one, picking the winner and the other, but it was uh, Glover versus Prohaska. And Glover, despite losing, put up like a billion points because he knocked him down 50 times and had a hundred takedowns and whatever. So anyway, no one wants to hear about my bad beat stories here. We, we can keep it moving on UFC 280. So uh, besides the two title fights, which fight are you most looking forward to seeing? Um, that's like asking which of my children is my favorite. Not that I actually have multiple children, but you understand the analogy because this is just a tremendous card. Um, one that I'm really looking at and really like from a betting slash DFS standpoint is Darius versus Gamrot. And uh, Gamrot is coming in as a fairly heavy favorite here, right around minus 200, which kind of surprised me because he fought Armin Saryukin like not even four months ago. And it was a split decision win, but I would have given that one to Saryukin. I thought it was close. I actually bet Gamrot that fight and I still thought Saryukin was the deserving winner. Or, you know, Benny hasn't lost to anyone. He was trying to get that fight with Islam. He's looked pretty dominant. And I just think that had Gamrot, had the judges gone the other way in Gamrot's last fight, we would see him as the underdog here and Darius is the favorite. But just because, you know, two out of three judges or one of those judges flipped the sides. So I think that's an undervalued line on Darius and Gamrot. I also think with the wrestling chops of both these guys, you kind of have to have this one in DFS. Like both guys very aggressively hunt for takedowns. A lot of times with two good wrestlers, you'll see a guy get a takedown, but the other guy pop back up, which then creates opportunities for more takedowns. And, you know, for my high school wrestling or college wrestling fans out there, it's scored differently in the UFC. If you get back to your feet and I'm still holding on to you, but I bring you back to the mat, DraftKings will score that as a whole separate takedown where that wouldn't count in a wrestling match unless you break all the way away. So you can just see some massive scores from these guys who like to wrestle, especially with scrambles and stuff like that. So awesome fight from a DFS standpoint. Definitely going to be betting Darius just based on the the overvaluing, I think, because of how the judges went in Gamrot's last one. I think both guys have real bright futures and could easily be fighting for the title tonight, but or not tonight, Saturday. But I do think, at least at this point in their career, Darius is the slightly better fighter. Yeah, and when you've got two two of the similar fighter, it's not like you've got one who's the striker and one who's a wrestler. You've got two wrestlers, so the game plan is going to be the same. Whoever win, whoever wins the wrestling battle is going to win the fight. And a lot of times, you know, from a betting standpoint, with two stylistically similar people like that, I don't expect either of them to rack up a lot of control time where it's clear who won the round. But that also makes it really hard on the judges. And if I told you going into a fight, we know this one is a split decision, but we don't know which one wins. You always want to be on the guy that you're getting plus money on because it's basically a coin flip at that point. So if I'm flipping coins, I want to flip coins where I get paid out, you know, 1.7 times my stake rather than having to get paid out 
half of what I put in. So this one seems like real likely to be a very tough, close decision. And I always want plus money when that happens. So uh, obviously for catch, we want certain in the end. Uh, if you looked on the both the betting and the uh, drafting market, uh, there's uh, there's looking like a pretty interesting fighter in uh, Mohammed Mokhev as uh, I think he is a minus one uh, minus ten one ten fifty favorite one thousand fifty favorite over. Malcolm Gordon and uh, Mocha is ninety six hundred. So, uh, is there a way you can fit all four championship fighters and potentially Mokev in your cash build, or will you go down maybe using Jan and that as that super expensive guy? Um, I I definitely will not be using Jan for cash. I think I think he's the better fighter than O'Malley. But if there's a top five guy who is a good matchup. For O'Malley, it's probably Peter Jan. He's not going to try to make it a grappling match. Jan doesn't kick all that much, and we've seen O'Malley struggle with that. So I think Jan's going to win. I'm not out here saying I'm calling the upset from O'Malley, but that's probably my least confident of the like moderate to heavy favorites. So definitely not using Jan. I, I think for cash games, you probably just get Mokayev in there. He's another wrestler. I really like the super lighter weight wrestlers because it's much harder for 125ers to hold each other down than it is for you know heavyweights. And I don't know exactly how many I can look up shortly, but Mokayev racked up what felt like a million takedowns in his last fight against Charles Johnson. And they're giving him another like pretty favorable matchup here. So he can score a lot of points even without getting a finish. Or without landing on strike. 12 right. takedowns. In the fight before that, he didn't get any takedowns. Or no, he got two. The fight before that, he got two takedowns and a knockdown and a first-round finish. So, yeah, I mean, from a cash standpoint, pretty hard to get off Mokayev just because we don't have two, three, four of those huge favorites. And again, this is another math play. He's only 100 or 200 more than some of these other guys, but the betting lines say he's, you know, 20 to 30% more likely to win than somebody like Jan, who's the next heaviest favorite. I would agree, especially especially because if you've been that dominant, you've, you've KO somebody in 11 seconds and then get 12 takedowns in a three-round fight. It's pretty, pretty dominant, if you ask me. And they're, you know, they're not really pushing him in terms of the matchup here. Like Malcolm Gordon's cool, good fighter, but he's nothing special. He's two and two over his last four. One of his wins, the other guy hurt his arm, and it was kind of like fishy. He's been finished twice in the first round since he's been in the UFC. He's fine. He's a guy who's going to stick around in the UFC. I think he's got some ability, but he's not, you know, this world class wrestler like Mokayev is. And I don't know if it ends up being the most exciting fight kind of like Mokaya's last one with Charles Johnson, but it can be not exciting. And if he gets 14 takedowns, that's, you know, more than what we need for cash games. Yeah. I mean, at 9,600, if you want to pay that much, you probably want trying to think what'd be a good number. Would a hundred be enough? Would you want more? Um, I think you'd probably want a little bit more than a hundred just because the odds are that out of the other, you know, 9,000 up fighters. So Kyle Bahio, Armin Petrosian, Mustafaev, Jan, one of those guys is probably going to go over a hundred at the very least. So you, you kind of need him to finish with the highest score on the slate if you're paying that much for him. But yeah, I mean, if you get 110, 120, which is well, well, well within the range of possibilities, I think you're pretty happy. And then you'd be well off, involved to win a night. So, 
Ink swapping on building with what's your bets and DFS uh, calls. Well, it's nice to have a UFC pay per view with uh, some with some fun, entertaining, and uh, more importantly, multiple title fights. Hey, you got like thirty more seconds, real quick, because I want to yeah. throw something out there. If you did what we were saying, the four title fighters and um, Mokayev, you got eight thousand left, which could give you. Bilal Muhammad, who's fighting Sean Brady and wants a really close fight. Lucas Almeida, again, should be another close fight. So it's certainly viable from cash. I will say that's probably something where almost everyone's going to be on that. So if you're not comfortable with your $25 double up paying you out like $31 with a semi-win, maybe try to switch it up. I think that's going to be a real popular strategy and going to be, you know, most of the middle of the pack is on that. So I know you and I have talked about it where we've had those weeks where our lineup was pretty much everybody else's lineups. And that's why I'm saying our lineup and not my lineup because we were both on it. And, you know, it's not the most exciting thing to go like, Hey, I played $200 in cash and got 210 back, but that, that might be the case this weekend with that strategy. And, you know, if you feel real strongly about Bilal Muhammad, which I don't, in particular, or um, Lucas Almeida, which I can see an argument for. Great, do that. If not, might be it might behoove you, anyone playing cash, to get off of that kind of build. Might it be? Might it be? I'm not saying it'd be risky, but might it be the week to maybe save a few hundred in cash? I mean, you could. What What I would say is if if you're thinking like I am and you don't necessarily want to chop it all those ways. The move is to get off one of those title fighters and hopefully there's someone at or below their price range that you're happy with. So like I just talked about Benny Dariush. I don't know how safe he is for cash. If you switch down from Dillashaw to Dariush, you got 300 extra. You got a little bit more flexibility. And then if Dariush comes out here and outscores TJ Dillashaw, then you pretty much beat the field no matter who else you play. Same thing if you wanted to come off Oliveira to Darius or somebody to Chukagian or, you know, one of the favorites in the title fights. Just by moving one of those pieces, especially if you move down in salary, you've given yourself a whole nother, you know, build than what most people are going to have. But it's early and, you know, I'm going to do a shameless plug here. I'm now in charge of the projections on Fantasy Labs. So if anyone with the Fantasy Labs membership, hopefully by Thursday afternoon, we'll have all those projections ran maybe Friday at the latest. You can go in there and see kind of how that's projecting and which one of those builds turns out to be the optimal. Yeah. Remember it's a 10 a.m. store time in Abu Dhabi. So hopefully people remember it's not a 10 p.m. store time, but a 10 a.m. store time. Hopefully nobody remembers that it's a 10 a.m. start time and not a 10 p.m. start time. And we have a bunch of deadlines before the game start. I mean, you know, anyone listening to this, it's 10 a.m. Don't screw it up. If you're not listening to this, you know, make your lineup when you feel like it, buddy. It's okay. Don't use don't use the uh, don't use the uh, two fighters who are already uh, who are not fighting. Yeah, DraftKings already removed them, unfortunately. I was hoping they'd leave those in there as a sucker trap, but you know, if it were easy, we'd all be millionaires, huh, Dylan? Yeah, we'd all we'd all be Alex Baker of those of those rich DFS nerds. We'll get there. Yeah. So thanks for having on, Billy. We wish you well. Hopefully, this is a winning week for us. Yes, sir.